ready for the word. I have a word ready to preach. But God gave Devin a prophetic word. And last week she come to me and said, I believe God said this to me. I said, no, he didn't say it. Oh, she said, I believe God is saying this to you. I believe you need to preach this. I said, he didn't say it to me. He said it to you. So you're going to preach this. Would you tell our first lady you love her as she comes to preach the word of the Lord this morning? tried to rescue you. I tried to rescue you and me both. In fact, I almost just ran a lap to see if I could start something <laughs> and let God finish it. Thank you, Father. <laughs> so I'll just try to deliver this the best I can. I'm just going to have you turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy. If you've been in Sunday school, you've been in 2 Timothy. Who's been in Sunday school in this place? Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 1, I'm just going to actually start with verse 1 and read all the way through verse 7. I'm going to teach for just a moment and really just re release the word and I'll let Kevin clean it up. So if you'll start with me in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith which is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother, Lewis, and in your mother, Eunice, I am persuaded that it's in you also. Therefore, I will put in remembrance to you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Would you just look at your neighbor and say, stir it up. Stretch your hands toward me and I'm going to pray for you and let's just let the Holy Spirit talk to us today. Father, help, help, help. Let me deliver this as you gave it to me. I call to attention spiritual ears right now that we will hear with spiritual ears. Our spirits would be awake right now. I call to alertness every spirit to hear what you would say today. I pray the hearts of our heart would be open to receive and that your word would go forth in demonstration, that signs, wonders, and miracles would confirm your word. Father, by your authority that this word would go forth and it would reverse what the enemy started and put into action the plans you have for us. We agree together and we are hungry for what you would say today. And all those in agreement say amen. You may be seated. So I just want to lay a foundation so I can release a very short word. I don't have a sermon today, but um, as we were actually in Sunday school uh, two weeks ago, 
we were studying this chapter, and the Lord downloaded to me what I really honestly did think the Holy Spirit said was for Kevin to preach. Um, and I'll never do it again. <laughs> I'll tell the Lord, you tell him. But I'm honored to be here today just to say um, this is about spiritual DNA. That's the series we're in. About who we are in God. About our ancestry. And we find here in 2 Timothy that Paul is actually talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. And he is telling him to stir up something that Paul imparted to him, actually God imparted to him when Paul laid hands on him. you got to be very careful to pay attention to the words there. God imparted something to Timothy when Paul laid hands on him. And Paul is telling Timothy, it's time to stir it up. Either it had gone dormant or maybe Timothy had been overtaken by fear. Maybe he had sat silent long enough. We don't know why, but at some point, Paul had been with Timothy, had placed his hands on his head, which is the sign of the blessing of a father. And when a blessing of a father is released over a son, it cannot be reversed. It cannot be taken. And Paul had released something over Timothy, and God imparted a spiritual gift to him. But now Paul is in prison, and he's writing a letter to Timothy, and he's having to tell him, Timothy, stir up what's already there. What's already there. And he says to Timothy, you know, there's a great faith that's resting on you. That faith was in your mother, and it was in your grandmother, and now I recognize it on you. So as we were studying this in Sunday school, my brain just went to our Ancestry.com series and .god series, and I realized that in 2 Timothy chapter 1, we are finding out that just as we have physical DNA that can be passed from generation to generation, from mother to daughter to granddaughter, from father to son to grandson, so the things of the Spirit can also be passed through our family. Here we find that Timothy's grandmother had an unprecedented amount of faith that she was very careful to impart to her daughter. And then her daughter turned and instilled that faith in Timothy. And faith was literally a gift of faith was being passed from generation to generation. Then Paul comes along as spirit, uh, Timothy's spiritual father and he imparts the fire to Timothy. I believe it was the gift of the Holy Spirit. It could have been the gift to preach. Maybe Timothy was carrying the mantle of an apostle. Whatever it is, when Paul said for him to stir it up, it literally meant to rekindle it, to set it on fire again. So we find this young man, Timothy, not only has an impartation of faith, he has an impartation of fire that came to him through his family line. He had an inherited right to it. So I just begin to ponder on that thought, and I don't really know any pretty way to say it, and then the Lord said that this was a prophetic word to this house, that there is a spiritual inheritance resting over each member of this house that we need to stir up today. That you have been given an inheritance some of you are unaware of, some of you are fully aware of, and it is laying dormant in your life. And the Lord sent me to command you to stir up the generational blessing that God has given to you that has traveled through your family line. Can you handle that today? Good. So I just want to talk for just a moment about spiritual inheritance, and I'm going to actually just teach 
for five minutes on what it means to receive an inheritance. When I went to Ecuador, that was the assignment God gave me was to, um, uh, Maria Feliciano had given me a word about the inheritance of the daughters and I actually preached on the daughters of Zavola head in, in Ecuador. And so I had lots of time to study inheritance. And I think if you will bear with me while I lay a foundation, it's gonna help you understand what the spirit of the Lord is saying to you today. Can you handle it? Amen. So we hear a lot um, about DNA today. That's why Kevin did this series. It's very popular now to find out what your real lineage is and where you really came from and who you really belong to. And we are very familiar with physical DNA. In fact, if I paraded all four of the Wallace children up here today, it would be very evident they belong to Kevin and I because there are aspects of our DNA that are very visible in their life, from our eye color to their height to their hair color, uh, whatever it is, um, our children carry our DNA. And because of that, they carry something within their DNA that they didn't ask for, they didn't earn, they just breathe every day and become what we gave them. Okay, somebody needs to hear that in spiritual ears today. They don't work for their DNA. They don't wake up and sweat for their DNA. They really can't do anything about it, good or bad. They just wake up and they breathe and they become what's already in them. And this is what it is for our spiritual DNA. It's the same. Whatever spiritual DNA you walk in every day, you wake up, you breathe, and you become. Whether it's a spiritual DNA of darkness because you're of your father, the devil, and you haven't been regenerated or reborn again, or whether you have been brought into a new family and adopted into the family of Christ and your DNA has been transformed, like Kevin said, you've been regenerated and you wake up and you breathe and you become like Christ, whichever one. But we talk sometimes in our family, I had a conversation with one of my children last night about positive and negative aspects of our DNA. All of us can be happy about some things we inherit from our family, and some of us spend lots of money in surgery to change things we wish we didn't get. Amen? <laughs> I'm at that age now where I'm looking at my mom really closely to try to get a glimpse. In fact, Gigi, I have to confess, if I was, as I was watching you today, I thought, is this me 40 years from now? Will I be her height? Will I worship like her? Will I look like her? Because we are not in control of what we inherit. And we spend so much time, I do as a parent, helping our children become secure in just who they are, the combination of their DNA, telling them they're uniquely made. God did not cookie cut us all to look alike. He pulled different things out of the DNA of our ancestors so that we would have different shades of hair and different shades of skin and we would be different heights and different weights and have different eye colors. And all of those things are in our DNA. But in the spirit, it is the same. Sometimes spiritually, we inherit both, both positive and negative things from our spiritual DNA. You will see down your family line that there are things that will follow you from generation to generation. And you will find that sometimes you're struggling with the same thing your grandma did. Or your son is struggling with the same thing your grandpa did. Or you're, you're strong in something spiritually that your grandfather was. You will see that even in your spiritual DNA, there are things we're really proud of. And there are things we could do without. And there's been so much 
teaching in the church on what some people call generational curses and generational blessing. And I'm not here to focus on any generational curse today. I'm going to teach just a moment. I'm here to release generational blessing. Because I'm here to tell you the church has been curse obsessed and we should have been blessing obsessed. Because what Jesus did on the cross brings much more blessing and breaks every curse. And sometimes we're so concerned about spiritually what is wrong with our family and what we're terrified our children will deal with. And we miss the spiritual inheritance we have because of what Christ broke on the cross and released over us. Can you say amen? In fact, a blessing is always more powerful than a curse. We had an unusual experience. I probably shouldn't say on the airways, but it's okay. At, at our house the other night, we had some um, unannounced visitors next to our driveway uh, because we live on an overlook of the city and over this church. And those unannounced visitors were up there to pray and release what was not a prayer to Jesus, but was what we would categorize as a curse over our city. And Kevin and I came home to intercept this taking place by our driveway over this city. And a few words with Kevin, and, and they were running down the yard, down the hill. And Kevin just began to release blessing. And we got Zion and we poured oil and we cranked our music up and we just released blessing. And I'm not sure how long they were releasing curses, but I know in about five minutes of blessing, we all felt victory. Because the blessing is so much more powerful than the curse. In fact, a blessing can never be reversed by a curse. In fact, if you try to curse what God has blessed, that curse will turn right back on the person who released it. Just ask David when he looked at Goliath. Goliath said, today I'm going to feed your body to the, your carcass to the birds. But it was just a few verses later, Goliath's body was fed to the birds. Because when you try to curse what God has blessed, it will turn on the enemy who cursed you. So I'm here to tell you we're not going to be a cursed, obsessed church in this house. We are a house that has been blessed. Your marriage, your children, your finances are blessed. And what God has blessed, the enemy cannot curse. In the name of Jesus, it's your spiritual inheritance. But Exodus 20 and 4 kind of compares blessing and cursing. And I want to release this because it's not good enough for you to hear my words. I want you to hear the word of the Lord. Exodus 20 and 4 says this, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And I will punish the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. This is where our generational cursing awareness came from. And it's the truth of God's word. And you will find that if the enemy is given permission, he will attempt to repeat the curse of your, the fathers on the children and the grandchildren. If the enemy is given permission, he will make sure cancer hits every generation of your family. If the enemy is given permission, he'll make sure that alcoholism runs through every root of your family. If the enemy is given permission, he'll make sure suicide and depression wreck your family. But what we're about to find out is inheritance is a legal transaction. And you can't do what you don't have permission to do. Yeah. 
And the enemy may desire to curse to the third and fourth generation because of the sins of the parents. But I'm here to tell you, Jeremiah 31 and 29 says this. God said, no longer will the children eat the sour grapes of their parents, but every generation will pay for their own sins. And I came to declare over you and over your house, you will not eat the sour grapes of generations before you. I came to declare over this city, Chattanooga will not eat the sour grapes of the sins of this city. I came to declare over this nation, we will not eat the sour grapes of what our forefathers did. According to the word of God, the enemy doesn't have a right. But what's so interesting about this same verse that made us curse obsessed, the second half says this, but I, the Lord your God, will show love to a thousand generations. You want to know how much more powerful the blessing is? The curse for a season may have lasted three and fourth generations, but when you invoke the blessing of the Lord on your house, it will last a thousand generations. How many are ready to invoke a blessing on your family that will repeat for a thousand generations after you breathe your last breath? I'm telling you in this house, we're releasing a blessing over this city and over this nation that will reap a harvest for a thousand years. How many can grab hold of that word today? I'm laying up a blessing for my family that won't just last to my great-great-grandchildren, but that will last for more greats than I can put in front of their name. I'm here to reverse some things, and I think some of you are too, because you've been buying the lie of the enemy that you had to live under that bondage of your spiritual DNA. You were buying the lie that you were going to wrestle and manage for the rest of your life what you watched your mother and your father and your grandmother and your grandfather and your uncles and your aunts wrestle. And I came today with the word of freedom. You don't have to live under that bondage. In the name of Jesus, you're going to live under a blessing. So there are laws of inheritance. So if you can allow me to be non-spiritual for a second, it's really going to help us understand the Word of God. Inheritance is a legal transaction. And the first step in understanding your inheritance is understanding your DNA. It's an identity thing. Because if you don't know who you are, you don't know what you have right to. My inheritance is not based in the natural. My inheritance is not based on my works, my job, my bank account. My inheritance is based on one thing, my last name. When my father or my grandfather pass away, my inheritance will be based on one thing, my DNA. When that happens in Kevin's family, I have been married into a family that now my DNA also carries an inheritance on that side. My children will inherit from Kevin and I, not because of their good works, but because of their name, because of their DNA. And I'm here to tell you, inheritance is a very protected legal transaction. It just doesn't happen on a street corner because you feel like giving away your house or your inheritance. It takes place in a court of law and is a protected legal transaction. And I'm here to tell you, in the spirit realm, it is no less. 
Your inheritance is serious to God. In fact, Jesus died for his inheritance, for your inheritance. I read it over Uruguay, and I'll declare it today. Over Ecuador, and I'll declare it today. God said to Jesus, he said, just ask me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. This earth is the inheritance of the the death of Jesus Christ. He shed his blood for what he has right to. And according to this word, we have been made joint heirs with him, which means if it belongs to him, it belongs to us. So if the nations of the earth belong to King Jesus, then the nations of the earth belong to daughter Devin Wallace, and they belong to redemption to the nation's church. If you don't know who you are, you can miss your inheritance. If you don't know who you belong to, you can end up in a a dispute called unclaimed inheritance. Pastor Gary let me know that there are unclaimed inheritances all over our nation. People who don't know there's something waiting for them simply because of their name. Some of you are going to go home and check after this sermon. You might have some long lost fifth cousin that you don't know because no one else stood up to claim it. It now has your name on it. And I'm here to just talk a little bit about this process because that's what happened in the word of God to those daughters of Saholafed. There was an unclaimed inheritance because there was no male heir. And up until that point, the law had ruled that all inheritance passed to the male son. And the daughters of Saholified, they knew who they were. I don't have time to preach that message and what their names mean, but they knew who they were. And they knew what belonged to them. And so they approached the, the modern-day court of the Israeli camp, and that was Moses' tent. The tent of presence. And those five daughters stood at the door of the tent, and they said, we want what belongs to us. We know our father's desires. We know who we are. And we know that land belongs to us. And Moses took the the dispute straight to God. And the Bible says that God heard the case of those daughters. And he ruled in their favor and said, they are right. Not only am I going to give them their land, but any daughter who is in a family where there is no male heir, she can now have the land of her father. Why are you saying that, Pastor Devin? Because some of you have an inheritance dispute hanging over your life and over your family. There are some things locked up in the heavenlies with your name on it. And some of you don't know who you are. And you don't know what you belong to. Because if you did, you'd be standing at the tent of meeting this morning. Bringing your case before the Father. And I'm here to tell you, when you figure out who you are in Christ. And you realize whose blood runs through your veins. A holy boldness will come before you. To boldly approach the throne of grace. And say, God, I want every promise. He already said it this morning. His promises are yes and amen. I want every promise you've made over my house, over my family, over my children. And if I could be so bold to speak by the Holy Spirit on behalf of Yahweh today, he is at the tent of meeting waiting for his sons and daughters to ask of him, to ask of him what rightfully belongs to them. And that's what's about to happen in this place today. So in the laws of inheritance, I'm going to identify some legal terms so you know who you are in this process. Number one, the word inheritance. 
is something someone receives, money, land, property, any type of possession that someone receives when a family member dies. The beneficiary is the one who receives it. The beneficiary in a court of law is the person who is entitled to receive the inheritance. So everybody just wave your hand over your head and say, I am the beneficiary. We're about to approach the court of heaven this way. I am the beneficiary. I have been designated by the word of God as the one who is next in line to receive all that God has promised me. I have been identified by Jesus Christ, the one who died and rose again and shed his blood as a joint heir and a beneficiary of all that heaven has to offer. I am the beneficiary today. And if you don't know you're the beneficiary, you'll never go to court to receive what belongs to you. There is a probate, which is the place, the court of law, in which the inheritance is verbally given and written and signed and sealed and notarized so that it cannot be reversed. And I'm here to tell you, to tell you the probate today is heaven. Heaven has a court God is a God of order and a God of his word and a God of his law. And I'm here to tell you today that heaven is guarding over your inheritance. There is a court called heaven. The enemy even went to the court of heaven to ask for the inheritance of Job. And God allowed the enemy to test him for a season, but the enemy could not steal Job's inheritance. In fact, God gave Job double for everything the enemy tried to steal. You better believe the enemy is lurking at the court courts of heaven to ask for your children, to ask for your land, to ask for your anointing, to ask for what belongs to you. And I'm here to tell you, you better march yourself up into that court, child of God. You better learn how to approach the God, the throne of God with boldness as a joint heir with Jesus Christ and remind the devil what is yours and what belongs to you. Some of you have been silent too long. It's every song we sang today. It's when you open your mouth that things change. If the daughters of Saholafed had kept silent, we don't know who would have ended up with their land. But because they opened their mouth and they made their petition known to the Lord, heaven ruled on their behalf. Today, the Spirit of the Lord is calling us to open our mouth and make our petitions known to the Lord. And what has been stolen from you can be restored double. And what you think you've lost, heaven Heaven's court has been watching over. Make no mistake, they're just waiting on you to approach the bench. There is an executor of every inheritance. That word executor is ex executor. The one who enforces what is written. The one who enforces what is laid out in that law or will of inheritance. And I'm here to tell you we have a great executor called the Holy Spirit who was sent to walk alongside us on the earth and to enforce what the Word of God says. He is here not to speak on his own behalf, but to speak on behalf of Jesus Christ who is the one who has made us a beneficiary of the inheritance. The Holy Spirit will bear witness to the will of the Father. The Holy Spirit will pray for you when you don't know what to pray. He will rise up on you in you when the enemy is standing on your land. He will enforce to every demonic principality and ruler of darkness what does and does not belong to you. He is your executor. 
And that's why when he fills your life and flows out of your mouth, you have the authority to speak the will of God. Right here is the will of God. A will is a written description or depiction of how an inheritance should be distributed. When you go to the courts of heaven, it does not matter what your opinion is. It doesn't matter what your feelings are. It doesn't matter what mistake you made yesterday or what mistake you'll make next week. What is carries weight in the court of heaven is what carries weight in every natural court here. What is legally written and sealed and authenticated is what the court of heaven and the court of earth will pay attention to. When you decide to approach the court of heaven, you better fill your mouth with the will and the testament of Yahweh. If you've ever wondered who you are, just look at this word. And if you are sitting there wondering what belongs to you, just look at this word. Pastor Kevin just said it. When you speak this word, the court of heaven responds. And the angels of the Lord are sent forth to perform the will of the Father. Some of you have been begging for things that the word of God already says belongs to you. Some of you have been compromising and bargaining with the enemy over things that this word already says belongs to you. When Moses was about to leave Egypt, Pharaoh began to bargain with Moses and say, why don't the men go, but why don't you just leave the women and children behind? And Moses made a very powerful statement. He said, we won't leave one hoof behind in Egypt. In other words, Moses knew who he was, and he knew what belonged to him. So that when the enemy came to say, okay, let's bargain together. Let's split it 50-50. Let me just have half of your inheritance. Let me just have half of your anointing. Let me just have a part of your promises. Just let me have one of your children. Somebody has to stand up like Moses and say, not one hoof will be left behind. In the name of Jesus, I will be who God says I can be and I will have what God says I can have not one word of this Bible will fall to the ground and I will be a, a receipt a beneficiary a recipient of every promise of God how many believe that in this place and when the word goes forth this is what's crazy if I want to authenticate a document or give authority to someone over my children. For example, when my kids go to youth camp or when they went to Ecuador, I can sign a piece of paper, but Miss Tammy has this magic authority in our office. She's called a notary. And she will seal and notarize what is written to authenticate that what is written is the will of the one who wrote it. And I came to tell you today, Jesus didn't just say it, he also sealed it. Jesus didn't just will it, he also authenticated it. And he said, I'm sending you the precious seal of the Holy Spirit. He is the seal and the tangible evidence of those who are the inheritors of righteousness. In other words, the presence of the Holy Spirit on your life is a seal that all of heaven and all of hell can recognize, authenticating your right as a beneficiary of the kingdom of God. When you open your mouth and you 
Jesus said, I'm going to seal you up with the Holy Ghost. And this is what's crazy. How many have ever tasted of the sweet Holy Spirit? The Word of God calls him an engagement ring. He's a down payment. What we are experiencing right now is just a portion of what is to come. I want you to think of the sweetest experience you've ever had in the presence of the Lord. The sweetest encounter you've ever had with His glory. The greatest moment the Holy Spirit has ever poured out on your life. And realize it is only a taste of the fullness of what you have been given through the blood of Jesus Christ. When Kevin decided to marry me, he bought me an engagement ring. And he put it on my hand for two reasons. Number one, to prove to me he meant what he said. Putting his money where his mouth is, right? <laughs> Saving up a little bit. Giving where it hurts. Giving me something that don't have to be seen with a microscope, right? <laughs> Saying, Devin, I can take care of you and I'm about to prove it. And when I tell you I promise myself to you, I'm about to put something precious on your hand that shows I mean business. And that's what Jesus did with the gift of the Holy Spirit. He didn't just tell you he was coming back for you. He left part of the precious trinity right here to walk with you, to talk with you, to flow out of your life. You are wearing the engagement ring of heaven when you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. But Kevin also gave me an engagement ring for another reason. So that just in case anybody else was shopping around, they would know without words I'm spoken for. I belong to somebody already. And the bigger that ring is, the more intimidating it is to any joker that comes along and thinks they can offer better. I'm here to tell you Jesus is in no competition over the heart of his bride. He left you the most intimidating rock called the Holy Spirit for you to wear so hell would know. Back off. Back off. I belong to Jesus. I have been given. I'm a promise to someone. I belong to somebody who coming back for me in the name of Jesus can we thank God for the Holy Ghost he's our engagement ring and when we wear that ring we ought not walk like we're broke busted and disgusted dragging our lip till we get to heaven we have a fiance who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And that's who I'm marrying. That's the family I'm marrying into. Hell, you better back up. You don't know who I belong to. You don't know who my children belong to. We've been sealed by the Holy Ghost. Hell can't do anything about it. It's too late. It's too late. You can't have what belongs to me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Some of you just need to wave your ring in the face of the enemy who's been trying to steal from you. I've been spoken for. I've been sealed. So now look at your neighbor and say, I'm legit. 
That Holy Ghost means you're legit. You're no wolf in sheep's clothing. You're no faker. You're no imposter. You can go before the court of heaven because the scepter has been tipped into the favor, your favor. And like Esther, what others didn't have the right to do, she did because who she was married to. You have a right. Don't let the devil intimidate you out of your rights or make you shy away from the throne of God. He bought you with a price. So that is the legal terms for your ability to claim your inheritance in the natural. And we can see it's the same in the spirit. His words have been sealed. The testament has been written. We have an executor who's speaking on our behalf. The question is, do you know who you are and what belongs to you? And that's what's about to happen in this house today. Some of you are walking below what belongs to you because you don't know who you are in him. You want to know why you're dealing with a suicidal spirit? You don't know who you are. You want to know why you're dealing with depression and defeat? You don't know who you are. And today there's about to be a revelation by the spirit of understanding what it means to be a son and daughter of God. And the enemy is terrified because the only way he's been able to steal from you is by lying to you. And it's the truth that you'll know and it's the truth that will set you free. And today you've got to know who you are. So I want to talk just a little bit about unclaimed inheritance and what happens when someone does not realize what belongs to them. So when someone dies and leaves an inheritance to a listed amount of people or a person, and that person for whatever reason is unaware that there is an inheritance waiting on them, it will literally sit in the court for a season until it is claimed. It will sit dormant. Sometimes I wonder if this is where Timothy was in the text I read today. Maybe Timothy already had a rich inheritance in heaven with his name on it. But it was sitting dormant because he had not taken the time to activate and claim what was rightfully his. It had his name on it the whole time. But it sounds to me like Timothy was dealing with a little bit of fear and not knowing who he was. And his spiritual father was having to remind him, what you're walking in, God didn't give you, Timothy. Your inheritance in him is not fear, but it's power, it's love, and it's of a sound mind. And I'm here to tell you, I believe what the, the Lord is saying prophetically over this house today is there are some unclaimed inheritances in this place today. There are some things held up in heaven with your name on it. You just didn't know it. And by the revelation of the Spirit, we're about to claim it. In fact, unclaimed inheritance is such a big thing in our nation right now that there are actually professionals called air hunters. People who are hired to go out and hunt down the rightful heir of the inheritance that is stuck in court. And I'm here to tell you, the Holy Spirit is a great air hunter. He is the executor that will not stop. He is the executor of this will that will not quit. He watches over the word to make sure God's word is performed. In fact, when God sends forth his will, it says it cannot return void, Gary. 
It cannot return void, which means the Holy Spirit will tarry with the family generation after generation after generation until he can find the heir that will claim what belongs to them. And the heir hunter is here today looking for those who will claim the inheritance that is locked up in heaven. This is what's crazy. There is something, a legal term in the laws of inheritance called disclaimer. Disclaimer. A disclaimer is your right as a beneficiary to refuse your inheritance. A beneficiary can be found by the air hunter, brought into court. The will can be read to them, and they can say, you just got 10 acres of farmland. And that beneficiary can say, mm, I'm not much of a farmer. I don't, I don't really think I want that. And they can sign and seal a disclaimer, meaning what you are offering me, I don't think I want. Therefore, I'm going to refuse it. I'm going to disclaim myself as an inheritor. And this is the crazy thing that happens when a disclaimer is put in place. The person who was first in line for the inheritance when they sign a disclaimer, the court treats them as if they are dead to the inheritance. Literally what it says in the court of law. They are treated as, as if they died before the one giving the inheritance did. And it passes to the next one in line. You don't want to be a disclaimer in the kingdom of God. You don't want to be the one that says that costs too much, that's too hard, I don't think I'm interested, it's too inconvenient right now. I'm kind of at this place in my life, I don't really want to sell out to God. I'm kind of in this season that this is really not what I feel like I'm cut out for. Some of you have signed disclaimers of your inheritance and you didn't know it. And you're a dead man and a dead woman walking. Because God didn't die just for you to take breaths every day and survive. He died to give you life and life more abundantly. And if you're not living the life Christ died to provide for you, you're not living at all. You may be breathing and moving, but you're not living. And today the Holy Spirit is here to give some disclaimers a second chance at what belongs to them. But on the flip side of this coin, I have some good news. Because some of you are about to be the recipients of what others have disclaimed. Because when a disclaimer is signed, what was meant for the first individual, literally they go to the next in line. In other words, I may have been front in line to receive it, but if I refused it, I'm now dead to the court. And the person who was not going to receive it at all, they literally say, next. And I came to prophetically declare over some of you who come from a long lineage of disclaimers, a long lineage of those who refuse the inheritance of Christ and bought the curse of the enemy. Some of you are first-time salvation, first-time converts in your family. Some of you are first-time recipients of the Holy Spirit in your family. But you look at your lineage and you say, Pastor Devin, I don't have a rich spiritual DNA. Nobody in my family operated in the kingdom. Nobody in my family claimed their inheritance. And I came to tell you today, you are next in line according to the Word of God. And today in the court of heaven, God 
your family line. Some of you are about to be the recipient of a disclaimer today. And then I want to say one more thing about disclaimer that has to do with generational curses. You can refuse what your family left for you. Just because it has your family name on it doesn't mean you have to receive it as yours. You don't ever want to disclaim what God has left for you. But some of you today need to stand up and disclaim what your crazy family left for you in their jacked up spiritual DNA. Some of you are accepting things that you don't have to accept anymore. You have the right to disclaim and refuse any curse. So when the devil comes to you and says, well, you know, five generations of, of the women in your family have had ovarian cancer. You say, well, that's fine. I'm just going to go to the court of heaven and disclaim it. I don't want that today. Or when they say five generations of the men in your family have been alcoholics, you say, well, not so after today. I'm about to remove myself as a dead man from that line, from that DNA. I have been crucified on the cross with Jesus Christ. That inheritance isn't mine anymore. I don't live, but Christ lives in me. This is so good. I'm helping myself. <laughs> you can be free because heaven gives you the right to refuse anything your family passes to you. If that's you, just raise your hands and start disclaiming some things that the enemy thought you were going to have to keep in your life. It's not yours anymore. You're a dead man. You're a dead woman to it because of what Jesus did. I'm almost done. This is the best. Kevin, get ready to come clean this up. <laughs> Today, we're going to claim our spiritual inheritance. And we're going to disclaim the old man inheritance. It's on two levels today. Number one, we are all heirs with Christ. And we are all inheritors of the kingdom, of joy, of peace, of righteousness, of the healing of the kingdom, of the freedom of the kingdom. Every one of you, every one of you who have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ have that inheritance. But I'm going to even just go deeper. There are specific things for each of you that God has for you over your family. Some of you, there are nations in the belly of your family. Some of you, are about to realize there's some land God has given your family. Why are Kevin and I in this city? Because God gave this land to our family, didn't he, Gigi? My grandfather pastored in the church across the street. My uncle pastored in the church behind us. Kevin grew up in this city. God promised it to him. His mamal dot lived on top of Lookout Mountain. Chattanooga may not be your city, but I'm here to go to the courts of heaven today and claim it for my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. Part of my spiritual inheritance is tied up in the land of Chattanooga. But some of you have inheritance in Africa, in Asia. Some of you
of you have inheritance down in Mexico, in Guatemala. Some of you have inheritances back in your little small hometown you never thought God would do anything in. There's something in your family line that is left undone, and God is going to stir it up in your life today. God's about to stir up some things, Timothy, that you've let go dormant. There's some inheritance laid up for you, for your children, that if you don't take the time to claim it today, God will just move upon your sons and daughters to take it. But how many are tired of the enemy stealing from your family? There is one more heir, and this is my favorite, and I came to declare this today. It's called the laughing heir. Really, there's a term in the laws of inheritance called the laughing heir. You want to know why they're called the laughing heir? It's a distant relative or someone who was not even initially related to the deceased who receives an inheritance without preparation, not understanding they were in line for the inheritance. In other words, they weren't expecting it. And they're called the laughing heir. As I read this, my spirit began to laugh because I thought of Sarah who laughed because by all natural means she had disclaimed herself from inheritance. She was too old and she didn't have faith. But God designed to give her something she wasn't expecting. And she had to name him laughter. I was just thinking about Rahab and how she was a harlot in the city of Jericho. And in 24 hours, she became the recipient of the seed of the inheritance of Jesus Christ. She wasn't a member of the family when she was in Jericho. But she married into something she wasn't expecting. And she became a laughing heir. I was thinking about Saul when he was on the road to Damascus and he didn't know Jesus and he was killing off God's inheritance and Jesus blinded him by a light, brought him into a family, changed his name and he became a laughing heir. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you when they were singing joy in the river, there was a spirit of laughter welling up in my spirit because some of you are about to receive an inheritance you just were not expecting. You didn't know you were next. You didn't know you had your name on it. You felt unqualified. But I'm here to tell you God's about to unlock something over your house that's going to make you laugh in the spirit because you didn't even know it was coming. Stand up on your feet on this house and raise your hands if you say, God, make me a laughing heir. <laughs> Father, I want everything you have for me. What I expect and what I don't expect. And Father, if my neighbor doesn't want their inheritance, give it to me. Give it to me, Father. I want everything you died to provide for me. I want my children to walk in blessing. I want my marriage to walk in blessing. I want my finances to be blessed. Father, I want our health to be blessed. Raise your hands all over this house. Father, I want to disclaim the old inheritance. I'll not receive any curse from my family line. 
I have been bought by the blood of Jesus. I am a part of a new family. Some of you need to start disclaiming things right out of your mouth. You tell the court of heaven, I disclaim cancer. I disclaim depression. I disclaim suicide. I disclaim divorce. I disclaim adultery. I disclaim diabetes. Right now, you just tell the enemy, it's not yours. You break that curse by the blood of Jesus. He has no legal right because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Drive it right out of your house. Drive it off your children in the court of heaven. And then some of you need to repent for disclaiming what you should have taken. You bought the lie of the enemy. Some of you just didn't feel worthy. Or you didn't want the inconvenience of the life change. But there's a rich inheritance. God's saying, I'm opening it back up for you today. Will you claim what I have for you? I know for a fact, by a word of knowledge, there are some preachers in this house. Some apostles in this house. Some evangelists in this house. It's a generational mantle and you have tried to refuse it. But today, you're having a heart change because you want everything God has for you. If Paul was here, he would say to you, little Timothy, stir up the gift that was in your mother and your grandfather. Grandmother, stir up the gift I laid upon you. Don't let fear steal your inheritance. God has not given you fear, but he's given you power, love, and a sound mind. And some of you today, with hands lifted, just need to be like the daughters of Saholafed. You need to approach the court of heaven and say, Father, I know who I am in you. And I know what belongs to me, and I'm ready for it. I don't want it tied up in the heavenlies any longer. I don't want the enemy or anybody else to lay claim to it. Father, I'm ready for the release of your promises over my house over my children, over my children's children. Some of you, I prophesy, are going to release a family blessing for the first time in your family line that will last a thousand years after you take your last breath. You're about to change the spiritual DNA of your house. And then as Kevin comes, I declare, this will be a house of laughing heirs. I declare redemption to the nation's church. We will be a house of unexpected inheritors. God, if there's anybody in this city that doesn't want their inheritance, we'll take it. We'll take it, Father. We look like a group of unqualified people, but today we receive the ruling of heaven. And we become those who receive with joy what nobody else thought we could have. And we become the laughing heir. I declare someone has sown in tears. <laughs> you have sown in tears. Where's Tobin? Come sing this. But you will reap in joy. I declare that over you right now. Somebody has sown in tears, but you're about to reap in joy. The curse is broken. Blessing is coming. And you're about to laugh seven times harder than you ever cried for what you lost. You have sown in tears, but you're about to reap in joy. Heaven is ruling in your favor.
So right now, as Kevin, come clean this up. Raise your hands in this place and just begin to approach his throne boldly. This may not have been for everybody, but they're about to sing that song, enjoy in the water and whatever you want to sing. This ain't no crying message today. This is not a crying message today. You are leaving full. This is not a message for tomorrow. It's right now. Heaven is listening and is about to rule on your behalf. If you want what belongs to you, you can just move out into the aisle, to the altars. You can kneel at your seat. I have no idea what to do right now other than declare the word of the Lord and let you take back what belongs to your family. God, release it all over this house. Generational blessing. Generational blessing all over this place. Generational blessing. Come on to the altar. Kevin says, come to the altar and take back what belongs to you. In tears you will reap in joy, turning your morning into dancing. What you sung in tears you will reap in joy, turning your morning into dancing. What you sung in tears you will reap in joy, turning your morning. but I need to open this altar. If you're in here and you're away from the Lord, you don't know him or you know him, but you've walked away from your inheritance in him. Your heart's grown cold. You said, Pastor Devin, I'm a disclaimer right now. I didn't know what I was forfeiting. I didn't know what I was giving up. There's an Esau in here. You sold your birthright for a bowl of soup. And you're walking in regret. The pleasures of the flesh and temporary pleasure just robbed you of your inheritance. But guess what? It ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. God brought you here to extend mercy and grace and restore to you what is rightfully yours. The mistake you made can be reversed in the court of heaven today. So if that's you, and you say, Pastor Devin, I want the inheritance that Jesus died to provide for me. I want to, to walk into new life with Jesus today. I want to give my heart back to him. Come, come now. In fact, why don't you look at your neighbor and say, if, if that's you, I'll come with you. Come now, come now. This is your moment. God's about to restore the years the locust and the canker worm have destroyed. Come, come right up here so I can see you. Right up here in the front. Come on. That's right, just pray with them. Come, come, it's your time. Right here, right here, it's your day, son. I need some intercessors just to pray. The devil's losing the battle today. God is setting into motion his original assignment over you. I need some prayer warriors. Come pray, come pray with them. Father, in the name of Jesus, these disclaimers, they come to you. And they repent of forfeiting what was rightfully theirs. And in the court of heaven today, we approach you with the will and testament of Yahweh. And by the blood of Jesus Christ, we pray for a reversal. And God, I ask today 
divine restoration of what the lies of the enemy stole from these sons and daughters. I declare they live today and the life of Jesus Christ flows through them and the blood of Jesus restores what has been stolen. Now begin to pray for them. Begin to pray for them. While these keep praying, I have a really specific call. And then we're going to pray for laughing ears. There are some individuals in here. Maybe it's just one. You come from a rich inheritance like Timothy did. A rich inheritance. A faith. A Levitical inheritance. Of those who served in the house of the Lord. I'm not here to call you into anything. The Holy Spirit is. I'm just here to lay my hands on you. But there's somebody in here. It's time to surrender to your inheritance and the call of God on your life to ministry. Whether that's apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, I don't know. Whether that's a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, I don't know. But you feel the Holy Spirit trying to seal this word over you right now. He's moving on you. And you know it's your day to surrender to a call of God upon your life. If that's you, would you just come line up right here by the stage? Just come up here and line up. It's time to claim your inheritance. Come on up, come on up. There's been something locked up in heaven with your name on it. And you're just going to open your mouth and surrender to it. And there's something's going to be stirred up on you. That's what this word is for. If Apostle Paul would hear, was here, he would say, stir up the gift that's already in you. I'm here to tell you it's already in you. Your family already prayed it on you. It's already in you. But the Holy Ghost is about to stir it up, and you're not going to be able to turn it off. If that's you, just raise your hands and say, stir. 